Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. Okay, I was just saying off air that uh, maybe it's because I'm married to a strong woman and I have a very strong um, and independent soon-to-be eight-year-old daughter, um, but I'm just fascinated by incredible women uh, and especially in education. So I want to continue this, this theme, this campaign of profiling those that are making inroads in so many different ways and impacting schools, communities, and families across the U.S. in education. And uh, I want to introduce Shannon Trejo. She is the Chief Academic Officer for Dallas ISD. That's small little district <laughs> in Texas. Um, uh, and we want to get to know Shannon and her path in education and why this means so much uh, to her. I want to thank the people that brought this conversation to light. I want to thank Just Right Reader. You can go to justrightreader.com. They have sent over 60,000 take-home decodable boxes uh, to students and families across the U.S. You can just go to justrightreader.com to learn more. Okay, Shannon. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We have a mutual connection. And I was telling you that uh, this individual, whenever your name comes up, whether it's probably when he's bringing it up, it's just with great enthusiasm. And I want to start there. So what I love about your background is you have really worked your way up. I mean, it's really sort of the classic tale of assistant position here, lead position there, right? Assistant soup and and chief academic officer of a very significant and prominent district in the United States. Tell me about the initial goal. So when you were when you were Shannon the student yourself, was the goal kind of where you are now? Could you foresee taking all of those steps? Because I think the younger generation, I think we've sort of taken them down a road of, well, they can just achieve anything they want right out of the gate. And yet you and I know that it does take some stair-stepping. Uh, tell me about those initial thoughts about the place you thought you wanted to occupy in education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think it, it's one of those things where um, many people have a defining moment uh, that leads them down a certain path. I I was always a good student, uh, worked hard, understood the, that working hard got you to the places where you'd like to be setting goals and doing those things. But I actually went into school to be a lawyer. Um, I was pre-law attending the University of Texas and did I did a lot of volunteerism, especially in the schools, because I just I loved being around kids. Um, so I was in a, a school outside of the, uh, the university area and was providing reading tutoring one day. Um, and some kids were brought in to join my tutoring group and great, bring them on in little small group. And, and pretty quickly, um, there was a moment where another adult in the room came and kind of shuffled these couple of kiddos away. They were put off kind of to the side. It was this really awkward, uh, moment where the kids were kind of watching them. I was thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> what happened? Um, and they kind of sat over on the side piece for the 30, 45 minutes that I was there. No one talked to them. They were waiting. And then suddenly, you know, I finished my group and they were kind of shuffled out. I was so concerned that I had done something, you know, wrong. Uh, that I did go and kind of hunt down the person that shuffled them away and said, hey, let, you know, what happened? Let me know. What can I do differently? And they said, oh, no, um, it wasn't you at all. They just don't speak English. Um, so we're going to be placing them in special education. And I, oh, wow. I don't know what happened 
to me in that moment. But I always knew that I was going to be an attorney for the underdog. Uh, and I wanted to defend people and I wanted to, you know, I, I was very much about the idea of um, what's right is right. Uh, and in that moment, I thought, oh my gosh. So I asked a lot of questions. Do you know if they have deficiencies? Like, are they struggling learners? Like asking questions, asking questions, asking questions. And at the end of the day, the pure thought was they just don't speak English. Um, and because they don't speak English with this, you know, the regular classroom instruction is not going to be appropriate for them. Um, it was, it was, uh, in my mind, very much an injustice uh, against these kiddos who, and, and that decision in that moment that that school was making was going to change their trajectory forever. forever. Yeah. Forever. Um, so I thought, well, what, what am I going to do about that? Um, so at the time I did not speak Spanish. I moved away to a foreign country, uh, learned a very different culture, learned to speak the language, learned to read, write, speak, and learned what it felt like to not be in your home, not be able to be yourself, not be able to express your personality. You couldn't be funny. You couldn't you couldn't be the the core of who you are because you couldn't speak the language. Um, so you had to kind of sit around in the silence and just struggle in your head, trying to make connections and understand and have people understand you. And it was really tough, really tough. It's hard so, to develop a relationship with isolation, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I consider it a huge blessing. I learned the language very quickly, thankfully, uh, and was able to build really strong relationships and appreciate a very different culture than the one I grew up in and understand um, that assimilation is not always the best the best thing because people want to retain uh, who they are and their traditions and their culture at the same time that they're respecting and learning about other cultures. And so um, I came back and I changed my major to uh, bilingual education. Uh, and then started in the classroom as a bilingual teacher. It's incredible. It, as you were saying that, I was thinking it's almost like a dial, right? That in that moment and seeing those kids in isolation, it's almost like the advocate dial got turned on for you. Is that is that a fair representation? Absolutely. I would say that's absolutely a fair representation. Now, as a young girl, did you have a sense of justice? I mean, has it always sort of been in you to identify potentially a wrong or a marginalized individual or situation? Because you can see that in kids that they will, that's sort of like the radar. It gets pinged when they see that something is not fair or just. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, I grew up with lots of blessings. Um, I had a great family. I had came from a middle-class background, had a lot, um, and was able to take advantage of, of those privileges that were were set before me. And so I think I, I was, I don't know if I, if it was just being raised this way, but I've always been very sensitive to those who did not have the same opportunities or to those who were being deprived of those opportunities. And uh, it was, you know, moments where I was like, oh, no, <laughs> that's it's not going to happen that way. And I would leverage my privilege to try to overcome, you know, a, a deficit that someone else was experiencing. Um, and it's it's just always been kind of a core belief. Uh, strong women in your family? Very much so. 
very much so. My grandmother was actually an educator. She, she graduated was. graduated from Mary Harden Baylor, played volleyball um, back in the day when Mary Harden Baylor <laughs> was like this big. Um, so d- definitely strong, strong women. My grandmother, my mother uh, works for an attorney. <laughs> so I think, you know, between the two, um, I come come across it well. So. Thanksgiving conversations, right? Those holiday Absolutely. conversations were quite active, I'm sure, <laughs> lively. Let's talk about sort of that. So as you sort of are coming into your own as a woman, as a student, as a professional, and you find that you have that advocate in you, right? You've got that sort of justice gene. Tell me about the arc of understanding how to not just sort of identify, because I think it's fascinating when it comes to leaders, and it doesn't have to be gender specific, but that as leaders start to feel themselves in their skin, they can be very good at sort of clearing a path, identifying an issue, but that nuance of being able to, after you've created an opening and an opportunity, how to help facilitate and mentor to allow others to experience the same type of independence and authenticity with themselves. I think that that is such a fascinating gray area. How have you learned to be able to do that in the way in which you've, in essence, propped up opportunities for others, whether that be young women or men, but just through that educational arc for yourself? You know, that's that's a great question. Um, I think for me, I kind of view myself as a co-conspirator more than anything else. Uh, And I I I attach myself to really strong women who have really strong values that have a different background or a different lens than I do. Um, And I listen with my whole heart. Uh, and and I have to, you know, stop and kind of recognize when unconscious bias is there or when I don't see something, I have to listen with my whole heart and go, okay, it's it's there. Um, I I just don't understand or can't see it because I I it's it's an unconscious bias on my part. And and so I think, you know, the advantage of having come up the ranks and being connected to some amazing people because I went into bilingual education and and was able to step up and people go, oh, you speak Spanish? Great. Can you help me? Um, <laughs> and, you know, having that opportunity to do that, you get to become a decision maker where you have the opportunity to say, no, we need to do more. Um, so I think there's always kind of this blanket response of, oh, yeah, we'll send some more resources or we'll, you know, we'll do a drive or we'll hold a special day. Um, and it doesn't really get to the heart of advocacy and social justice in the way that it's going to change the system. Uh, and I think that's that's the opportunity. Right. So an example might be we have an amazing racial equity uh, leader in Dallas ISD. Her name's Dr. Pam Lear. Um, I've learned so much from her, uh, and and she uh, brought together a committee of people in Dallas that included community members and and staff and parents and like a, a huge group. and And we had sat down and had an open and honest conversation about equity. Um, and we had a team of people actually dig into our data and you know identify gaps um, that we would have thought were okay. You know, um, so one example might be opportunity to access advanced advanced coursework. Um, you just don't know until you look at the numbers. And, you know, a year, two, three years ago, when we started this journey, we were probably our our privileged populations were two to three times more likely to be recommended and placed in that pipeline for advanced math or advanced English courses. Um 
And frankly, when you look at the numbers, it's hard to like, it's hard to swallow. Um, And the idea was that's not okay. So we can't just say, okay, that's not okay. We have to actually do something about it. And so our, our group put together actual policy, board policy about there's no opt-in for, for this case. This is an automatic enrollment. If we have students that are demonstrating capacity in the elementary school, they're automatically enrolled in the honors pathway in middle school. And we've risen uh, from, you know, a, a low, low percentage of students participating uh, are African-American and, and Latino children to 92 percent. Ninety-two percent. Ninety-two percent of those that qualify sure. are now participating, whereas before it was maybe twenty percent of those that were qualifying. And you're like, that's a huge disparity. So you know the kids have capacity, but for whatever reason, they're not being funneled into this honors pathway. That honors pathway leads them to high school for credit courses in the middle school, which leads them to advanced pathway courses, calculus, A, B, B, C in the high school. Uh, you just, you can't, if you don't take the steps in middle school, you can't get access in the high school. It's just not possible. Um, so you think about, okay, now we've gone from, you know, 200 kids that are participating to 3000 kids that are participating. Um, that's a huge step of taking action and we check it every year, right? We don't just say, Hey, this is going to happen. It's in policy. We're out there every year going, okay, are all the kids enrolled? Does every child have the access and the opportunity? Um, and then once we get them in, we got to make sure they stay in. So building courses that bridge some of the gaps, we call them elder bridge courses, um, <laughs> that that have some on-ramps and some off-ramps and saying, no, you know, we're not giving up. Opting out is is not really an option because you're you're more than capable. You just got to have the right resources. You got to have the right support, and you can and you will be accept uh, uh, successful in this pathway. Um, we have the expectation you can do it. You know you can do it. We're going to help you get there. So I love that story. It it so connects to your initial experience of seeing those kids sort of isolated in the corner of the room. Right? You could sort of take the parallel to what you're talking about here whether it didn't mean that there were bad intentions but you're you were severely impacting the trajectory of that young child's uh, lifelong path so if we take if we substitute out students in what you were just talking about Mm -hmm. and we talk about females in education professionals yeah Yeah. it could be argued because the recent statistics about just how um the lack of representation of women in the superintendency position and principalships. How do we identify that in a similar path where we kind of say, why can't we open up? Because we know this is not about capabilities. I mean, that's the most absurd thing ever. Um, But it does seem like we are missing an opportunity. Parents are missing an opportunity. Students are missing an opportunity. Understand the the on-ramps, the off-ramps that help to get the next Shannon Trejo to a position, right, of chief academic officer and superintendent, if if you so you know pursue or wish, um, why are we so low, and are we seeing steps that are being taken in public education to identify those that that have what would de- we might deem as the the not, I guess the desire, the aptitude, like all of that, like all the yeah. skills that we take and 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 hold dear in leadership positions. How can we create a similar sort of program? Because it does seem like there's there's an issue of of proper representation. I love that. Um, I, yeah, 
I've got to bang a little bit of a drum for Dallas ISD um, in order to answer that question. I think um, one of the the things that we emphasize a lot in Dallas is the idea of choice and really connecting with students' passions. Um, so one example related specifically to to young women is our solo prep for girls um, choice schools. It's a single single gender a school wildly popular. Um, in Dallas ISD, and the girls are put on paths for STEM uh, programming and representation uh, in the science and, and math fields, and they are wildly successful um, at what they do. Uh, we've got robotics teams uh, that that come out of there that are top notch. They go to worlds competitions every year. Um, we have our career institutes, which is another choice program that we use that um, are helping students gather stackable credentials, particularly young women in HVAC, in uh, construction design, uh, in fields where we intentionally focus on representation of girls in those fields and helping them know um, that they've got they've got a role, they've got a place, um, and not just in the work, but in the leadership uh, behind it. So um, I think choice is a big deal. And I think setting apart role models is a big deal. Um, we do have uh, dual language pathways in our career institutes where we've got um, our, our entire pathway is, is uh, intended to help students become biliterate. Um, some of our uh, work with the automotive industry, we teach German as our second language uh, because many of those companies have their staff go and train in Germany uh, and come back. So I, I think it's you know one of those things that we we are always paying attention to female representation and underrepresented uh, areas, and we're trying to be creative about how we put those those choices on the plate. Um, sometimes you hear single gender. And you go, oh no, I don't want to go to a single gender school. You know, kiddos, they don't, they don't necessarily see that as an optimal opportunity. Um, but I I mean, once you go and visit the campus, once you feel the vibe from, from the leaders there, um girls want to be there. Uh we've got waiting lists upon waiting lists. Um and so you're our, creating you're creating an opportunity. Absolutely. Whether or not they choose to work in education when they become professionals, that's right. That's not really it's about creating a fertile uh, enrich cultural uh culturally rich environment for them to feel success Absolutely. right and to push the boundaries like we have allowed boys to do historically right okay. and so then they can sort of they can become explorers so then if we take that because that is a fantastic example and I'm glad that you went into the depths how do we think about that sort of writ large in the industry so that you know we don't see these anemic numbers where my goodness what are we going to do i mean they just came out with a recent survey that 40% of principals said that they're going to be leaving leaving in the next 3 yeah. years. That's yeah. scary and a lot of parents don't know that at the boat at the bus stop, right? They don't know yeah. that at the football game. Yeah. Um so it's coming. <laughs> it may I don't know if it's a tidal wave, but it's coming. So how do we take some of that that thought process and that culture building aspect of a Dallas ISD? Uh if you had a magic wand, you could you had the paintbrush and the blank canvas. So uh, I can tell you how we're working towards addressing it. We are building our own pipelines. 
So we're creating our own leaders through our own leadership pipelines, and we're recognizing and and uh, leveling up our, our staff through gateway professional learning. We're targeting great leaders like an Olga Romero at our hybrid uh, school, which is one of the first uh, in the nation to, to come out with, with hybrid uh, preparation. We got a new virtual school with an amazing female leader there, Ms. Miller. Um, it, it, I think it's one of those things where we've recognized that we've got a great thing going on. So how do we create opportunities inside our system and grow that pipeline where they can see models of success within the system and we can help. We know how to run a great system. We know the things you need to be successful and we're confident in you and, and what you can do. And when you need help or when you're you're tired or your enthusiasm is, is waning a little bit, you got a whole village of people around you that can come back and say, you got this. We got you. We will help you through. I would also say we we work very closely with our um, partners uh, in within the community and and our university partners. Um, SMU is a great partner to us. Uh, um, UNT Dallas is a great partner to us. So our P Tech and Collegiate Academy programs that uh, Dallas College just started a, an education pathway. Um, they were typically a, a two-year university. Their only four-year degree is in education. Wow. Uh, and we partner directly with them to allow our students to actually graduate with their associate's degree and then pass straight into uh, the four-year degree plan, uh, all for free under the Dallas Promise. Um, so our leadership pipeline is, is really strong. Our um, university opportunities to grow our own. We actually have a magnet school for educators uh, at Townview High School. It's called the Rosie Sorrells uh, uh, Education Pipeline, and we're growing our own teachers there. Um, so I love that growing your own teachers. We are growing our own teachers, and in turn, growing our own leaders uh, through internship programs, residency programs. Um, so people um, who who see and feel that they're in an op in a position to lead, um, they're seeing great leaders lead. They're learning from the best, and then we actually get an opportunity to pair them up, and that that's what they do. They learn and grow with a leader all year long, with the intent that we're going to be able to place them uh, in a, in a uh, best fit, best match uh, opening in the future. So. Are you finding, um, Shannon, that you've got colleagues in other districts that are identifying what Dallas ISD is doing and inquiring as to, in essence, how are you doing it? What's the blueprint? How are you growing your teachers? I would think that the more districts, not just in Texas, learn about sort of this very comprehensive approach. Um, it's sort of like you, you're like you've got the minor league baseball system, you've got the major right, league team, right? right? You are right. you are really growing your own. We got a we got a farm system. You have sure. a farm system, <laughs> yes. Uh, are you finding that you're getting inquiries in that manner, or that you're seeing other districts trying to model what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. I think Dr. Brian Lusk leads our strategic initiatives department. Um, and I know there's tons of inquiries all the time from across the nation uh, to come and visit with us. But I think what I what we've learned is, you know, um, humility is, is a big deal. Uh, and we love to get together with just really innovative districts across the country, uh, across the world even, and go, what are you doing well? You know, we've studied some international models, um, really thinking about education doesn't have to look the way that it looks now. There's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of room. Um, 
and, and we love to share our knowledge with those that come in and ask, and we get asked a lot. Um, but we also love to, to hear how other people are doing it. Um, and I think that's the way we continue to improve and grow, especially I think with females, right? Um, I, I'm always one to straighten somebody's crown. Uh, I don't, I, you know, in my mind, there's plenty of crowns to go around. Uh, and my job is to say, you know what? Oh, your crown's a little bit crooked. Let me help you out there. Uh, and one friendly hand on one day in one particular moment um, can take somebody to the next level. Uh, and I, in my mind, like we don't have enough of that with our, our female leaders. And we, in solidarity, not, no offense to you guys, like I would <laughs> love to see um, some of my my um, sisters at heart out there, co-conspirators at heart out there, um, get the opportunities that they have not had in the past. And I promise you, just if we get them those opportunities, they're going to blow the top off. I completely agree. Look, there are, I mean, you know, <laughs> my own soapbox, I mean, men have had their opportunity. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, we need to be inclusive. Uh, we don't have the answers. And there are a lot of opportunities to continue to grow as an industry and to hold back on an incredibly talented pool of human beings is, a, you know, it's an injustice. And that, that, that doesn't even, um, it just doesn't, it's not the proper, um, word to even sort of talk about what what has been done in the past, but we have an opportunity to make a difference with professionals like yourself and districts like Dallas ISD. Do you find Shannon that you do you ever have those moments where you kind of pinch yourself? You know, you you were going to be an attorney, you have this justice gene in you, right? Strong women, and you land in a district that is not just kind of sticking their toe in the water around this. To, you know, I mean, you're like you guys are jumping in polar bear style. <laughs> <laughs> right. Absolutely wanting, it sounds like, and desiring to lead from the front. Um, tell me about that for you just personally. I think I wake up every day and count my blessings, um, both personally and professionally. I'm super excited about our new superintendent, Dr. Ali Sarde, um, to see an amazing Latina leader um, who grew up in, in this neighborhood, understands this community, was a part of you know, um, of being her whole professional career, I think was, was majority was in Dallas ISD. So to have her come back and to have the opportunity to learn and grow, uh, from great leaders like Dr. Elisande, to me, I, I, it's ideal. Um, this is really a pinnacle of my, of my career. I've been in this business for almost 30 years. Uh, and, you know, to, to every experience that's brought me to where I am now, I'm grateful for, um, and, and just go, oh my gosh, here's what I get to do today. Um, I'm privileged to get to work with the, I have an amazing team. I'm privileged to work with the, the students of Dallas ISD who need and want, um, support and help. And, you know, one little moment, you know, I, I always tell my kids, you know, you just got to live in that moment because you never know which one counts the most. Um, so every little moment, take advantage of it. And that's what I try to do every day, every day here. Um, because I know these moments are super precious and, and they are a gift to me. Um, so it's, it's my obligation. It's my responsibility, uh, to, to really own those moments and do everything that I can to maximize them for our kids. So yeah, I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure. Well, I'll say that if you ever welcome in um, men as co-conspirators, uh, please please review my application. I'm <laughs> I'm an I'm an immediate fan. Uh, I love hearing stories of of people who 
sort of happen into education through different means, because I think it brings a richness to the culture of educational leadership, to practice in the classrooms and the way in which to engage communities. We need more advocates. You are, it seems like an advocate to the core and Dallas ISD is the better for it. And I encourage people to connect with Shannon uh, Treo. She's a chief academic officer for Dallas ISD. I get the sense that she will not only take your call, but uh, straighten crowns and, and help to motivate and inspire. We want to thank Just Right Reader uh, for helping to bring this conversation to light. You can go to justrightreader.com to learn more about the over 60,000 take-home decodable boxes that have already been sent across the country to students and families. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.